Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Friday, March 31st. Coming up, how an actor went from Kansas City to the cast of the insanely popular musical Hamilton. But first, some headlines. Kansas City will give new recycling cards to residents May 1st. They're bigger than the city's current recycling bins and will have a lid and wheels. Information on how to request a cart will be available soon. City manager Brian Platt says trash often blows out of the current recycling bins, which don't have lids. And I go out personally and I pick it up around my neighborhood, and that's one of the ways that we're noticing these things, is that people in our city are going out and picking up trash and telling us about the things that they're finding and thinking about ways to improve it. New trash cards with the same design are expected in a few months. The Missouri House of Representatives has passed its version of a $46 billion state budget. Sarah Kellogg reports. The budget has nearly $10 billion in K-12 spending, including fully funding school transportation and some funds set aside for pre-K. The House also continued to fund Medicaid expansion and allocated money for child care subsidies. But very little of that was discussed as Democrats stood up repeatedly to speak against added language that bars spending on anything associated with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Representative Peter Meredith said that language affects countless spending decisions. We won't even have Coke in our vending machines. Because I assure you, Coca-Cola has diversity, equity, and inclusion in their mission. Senate Appropriations Chair Lincoln Huff says he plans to take that language out. Yesterday was opening day for the Major League Baseball season. KCUR's Savannah Holly Bates reports much of the focus is on the Kansas City Royals' potential new stadium. The Royals' ownership team still hasn't publicly announced where they plan to build the new $2 billion downtown stadium, but they have narrowed down their decision. Royals' owner John Sherman says the East Village, North Kansas City, and even a crossroads location near the Kansas City Star Building are among their top ideas. Sherman says he's prioritizing community feedback. As it relates to asking for public participation, and that we understand that we have to deliver public benefit in exchange for public participation. Sherman says he plans to finalize a community benefits agreement, something low-wage workers union Stand Up KC has been fighting for, once the location is chosen. We'll be back after this. Bryson Bruce grew up performing in plays and musicals in the Kansas City area. He attended Lee's Summit West High School before majoring in theater at the University of Missouri. Now Bruce is based in New York City, and he's a swing, filling in for multiple roles in the touring production of Hamilton. He told KCUR's Steve Kraske how he's managed to memorize about 70% of the lines in the notoriously wordy musical. Here's part of their conversation. You've been interested in performing for a long time, since you were just six years old. Tell us about how you got your first taste of that in kindergarten class, no less. Yes, I've heard this story told back to me from my parents. But uh, so my kindergarten teacher had an interesting way to kind of make an outlet for that. She let me read to my fellow classmates. I got to like add some voices to it and really try to like tell the story. And my kindergartner teacher, uh, Miss Pinkerton, I believe, um, she gave me a chance to sit on the big rocking chair and read to my fellow <laughs> classmates. And it gave me a chance to like continue to tell a story. And I, I just loved it. And it gave me an outlet for all that energy that I had. So what do you recall about your first acting classes and how quickly you took to it? Yeah, that was the Academy of Performing Arts uh, in 
Grandview. It was kind of this family-owned business. It was like just a, a collection of classes, some dance classes, some acting classes ran by um, Dan Roberts and his family. And my sister was taking dance classes at the wow. time. And they put me in an acting class there. And I remember there was this one play, I think it was called Sanctuary. And Dan gave me this role that had like over a hundred lines. And I think I was like seven or eight or nine. I'm like, I do kind of remember this one. And uh, my parents were like, are you sure he can do all of this? And he's like, no, trust me. He's he's doing something in this class that's, wow. that's kind of interesting. And I remember like it was a, a red binder with all these lines and I, I would just drill them. My parents would help me and I would uh, start to feel comfortable with all the words in there and then wow. just more and more excited to to try to just do them every, every time that we did the, the show. Well, you know, the book on you in, in reading about you, uh, Bryson, is that early on in your life in kindergarten, maybe second grade, you knew everybody's lines. And when another kid would stumble, you would like hop right in and say, isn't the situation like you wanted to answer the telephone now or something, you know, and, and cover cover tracks for somebody else? Yes, because whenever I would like learn lines, I would know my line, but I would like to know what someone was saying right before me. So I knew how long I had to say my line and and why I was saying it. Because what did they just say? And why does that make me say what I'm saying? Right. But then if when the time came for performances, someone would go up on a line, that means they forget what they're saying. And there'd be an awkward silence. I know what they were supposed to say because I'm ready for my line. So I'm like, didn't you want to tell me about that thing you <laughs> thought about earlier? And they're like, oh, yeah, there was a thing I was thinking about earlier. Yeah. Oh, please tell me more because I knew that was my line. And So you were an acting lifeguard in a sense. You were saving I, lives on a daily basis. You know, it's a thankless job, but, you know, someone's got to do it. Yeah. No, it was sort of like that. Exactly. Well, let's just jump ahead a little bit because what's amazing to me about you is in this production of Hamilton, you have to know – lots of people's lines and you're playing any one night you could be inserted into uh, you could be Aaron Burr you could be Hamilton you could be Thomas Jefferson and how do you do that because that that just seems unholy to me <laughs> right I, I'll say I was lucky enough I like maybe many of the listeners loved Hamilton when it came out so I was always listening to it it was always in my ear, and every time I would hear a complex line or a rap, I would have to rewind it and say, okay, what'd they say? And I would try to catch it and and say, okay, how would I say it? And I would right. start to sing along to it so much so that I kind of knew all the words to Hamilton going in Even going to in. Hamilton. But it with that, there was still a lot of rehearsal. I started as Lafayette Jefferson, and so that became my home base. So all of Lafayette Jefferson's lines, all of his actions, all of his intentions were in my head, at my fingertips. But then when they said, okay, now it's time to learn Hamilton, now it's time to learn Burr, I had to kind of position and say, okay, this is a little bit left of Jefferson, or this is a little bit to the right of Jefferson, or he he enters one scene before Jefferson, or he sings wow. above or below Jefferson. It was kind of my home base. So you're saying on any one given night when you walk on that stage, you can lock in pretty easily to whatever character you're playing that night. Yes, because there could be moments, even let's say earlier in the week, there was someone who couldn't continue the show after it had started. So someone had to be pulled in right then and say, get in the costume right now. Um, and sometimes they call on me to do that same thing. So I have to be ready to say, okay, what song are we about to get into? That means that this character has already gone through this. This character is already a little bit irritated at this. This character is still hoping for this. And go. And yeah, and you can do that within a minute or two, it sounds like. 
Yes, I will say with with enough the training and rehearsals, because um, in rehearsals they say, hey, we're going to start at this song. You guys ready? You know where we're starting. We're starting at this measure. You're going to be a little to the right of the X. Ready, go. Uh, because of all that training, I now can kind of clock in whenever it's needed to continue to to help tell the story. What's happening to the pulse rate when they come to you, uh, Bryson, and they say, okay, in three minutes, we got to have you doing X. And you weren't really thinking you were going to be doing X at that point. Right. Because sometimes I'm just backstage, maybe refreshing some lines or, heck, maybe looking at a TV show, just taking a second of time off. Do you do that? Do go in and watch TV? There are sometimes, if, if I'm not called for that show and the show's already purring, then we are free to entertain entertain ourselves as long as we stay in the building, as long as we're ready and able to do the show. Then they give us freedom to, okay. you know, fill that time. Um, but like you said, the pulse rate does quicken when you get a text or a call and you look down and you say, that's that's my stage manager. What do they need? You pick yeah. up the phone and they say, Bryson, we need you on for Burr. Um, uh, costume wardrobes are on their way to you. Uh, where are you at right now? It's like, I am in my dressing room. Okay, perfect. There's costume coming. Mics are actually headed your way to get you mic'd up. And we're going to need you. We're hoping after two songs you're going to be ready. But uh, please continue to communicate with us. You know, there are those of us that the thought of having to memorize as many lines as you have to memorize for to play Hamilton or to play Burr. How how many lines are we talking about? Is there a number? It's knocking around in your head. I have not counted. I'll say it's a three hour or let's say two hour and 45 minute show. So and they are nonstop. Uh, No pun intended. They're always saying something, singing something. There's not much silence happening so and i i will say i think with all my characters i probably say about 70 percent of the words being said between the five roles that i have floating around in my head right now how do you memorize that amount of copy that amount of lines i mean what's your what's the technique because i can't imagine doing more than like four lines i'd be Turning to the director saying, I'm done, get me out of here, you know, I'm exiting stage right, yeah. Right, and and I remember that as a kid. It, it was hard to, you know, kind of maintain that, but I'll, I'll say, like, with Hamilton, it was easy to replay the album, because luckily most, if not all, the lines are in there. Some musicals, there's a lot of internal scenes that are outside of the albums, but with Hamilton, I can play from start to finish and feel like I'm almost seeing it, so I can rewind and say, oh, I kind of missed what was my next line? Okay, let me rewind there. But the the good thing about rehearsals is we drill it over and over and say, okay, let's let's start back from the top. Uh, try it one more time. I see you were hesitating at this one moment. Let's talk through it. Where did that come from in your life? This this intense interest in all things theater. Where where did that come from? Mom, dad, or or they both they both have they play a they both play a part. But my mom, I'll say, is so expressive. Uh, I I look back now and I'm like, oh, I you're, get you're getting it. Yeah. I get that from her. Yeah. Like anytime she tells a story, her hands are out. If her hands are tied behind her back, I don't know how the story is getting told. Uh, and I do have a, a piece of that with me. And I, I do try to channel that into my acting. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, it it, it was definitely um, their support and their telling of stories to me and and their um, ability to say, oh, if that's what you want to do, let's let's. Let's go forward Let's get with done. it. Yeah. And so it wasn't early love, but it was one that was cultivated and, and it, it grew. Were you always that. a singer as well? No, I can't say that I was. I didn't discover my love for the music part of musical theater until freshman year. Before that. Freshman year in? Uh, in high school. High school, yeah. Before that, I knew I wanted to act. And I kind of thought TV film. 
because I like telling stories and TV film. I love. I would just sit in front of a TV for for more than more time than needed. Uh, but but it was just to it, absorb all the stories and say, wait, that person said that. Why they say it that way? Oh, I wonder if I could say it that way during That's the commercial break. I'm like trying to get into those same vibes. But then in freshman year of high school, there was a musical called Violet that I was auditioning. And I was waiting for the plays because I was used to plays. But I was like, I guess if there's not a play right now, I, I guess I'll try out for this musical. And it turns out there was a lead role that kind of fit what I was giving. Right. And they they took a shot. And it was nerve-wracking. I was I liked to, you know, sing in the shower. My shower head was very impressed with what I was, like, <laughs> feeling, you know. Uh, but at the same time, I, was, I had never publicly sang. That was a different mode. But in learning... Um, how to do that uh, and, and get an opportunity to do that with with Violet, that's a show I'll never forget now. And I, I hope one day I can reprise that role. I played Flick, uh, Grady Fliggins, who was like the, the one of the main characters. And I don't know how my little teenage brain uh, and spirit portrayed such a, a big character. Wow. And so like now wow. I look back and say, I'd, I'd love to give that another go. But I, I, I did what I could back then and, and I'll well, never forget. Well, was there a moment when you thought to yourself, you know, I am pretty good at this. I mean, I can, it's, this is starting to make sense. I'm getting the kind of feedback that suggests that, yeah, maybe I got the gift. I will say, yeah, middle school and high school, I would audition for all of the productions. Like Mm -hmm. if there was ever a chance for me to get out there and get another script to absorb and to pull apart and put back together, I was there. And I was grateful that every, just about every time I auditioned, there would be a somewhere for me. And it started to, be a couple of leads here and there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, I, I guess they're trusting me with more lines and more, I guess, more songs now. We're doing songs. Okay. Right. And with every challenge, I, I tried to rise to it. And my parents are very honest with their critiques. And they would tell me, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. But that was, that was pretty good. Uh, you know, like they yeah. they would really try to tell me, like this part. I feel like you were you were doing more than you need to. Some parts you're doing less. But in general, how did you how did you do that? And yeah. so I kind of I heard the feedback, but I also heard that there was something I was doing that I could continue. So they were positive, but they also offered you some critiques about things for you to think about. Oh yeah, my mom, uh, my mom she would love it. to be my manager, just to be like, okay, <laughs> let me just follow you along, because because as much as you're doing the thing, you know, you can always be better, you know. And that, they did instill that in me, and not. In like an unhealthy way but in just like you know as as soon as you feel comfortable then that's enough room for you to to strive to an even mm-hmm. higher height that was kcur's steve kraske and hamilton actor bryson bruce to hear their entire conversation from kcur's up to date visit kcur.org this is kansas city today i'm nomi nujiadine This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more arts and culture coverage from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.